Hey, what is up, Willow Creek? Thank you all for joining us for Church Online. Shout out to, to Huntley and to Crystal Lake and Wheaton and South Barrington and Casa and North Shore, South Lake, Willow, Chicago, and especially to those joining us for the first time today. Man, if this is your first time, guess what? Me too. This is my first time too, so we can be friends, okay? And uh, I have some pastor friends in Africa, and they say to me that you're not really friends with someone until you've met their family. So here's my family. Uh, that's my daughter, Grace. Uh, she just turned 20. Uh, that's Luke right there. He's 18. And then Joe is 14, and Alex is 14. And uh, yeah, so I entered the quarantine with four teenagers, folks, okay? Pray for me. Uh, does Willow have a support group for that? Because we should, all right? And, uh, and of course, that's my wife, Rachel, right there. And I know you take one look at her, and then you look back at me, and you look at her, and you're like, how did a guy like that end up with a girl like her? And uh, listen, that is proof right there that God still does miracles, okay? So... <laughs> Listen, since this is the beginning of our ministry together, I thought it made sense to, to just look at how Jesus began in ministry. It's not a bad pattern for us to follow, I don't think. So if you've got your Bibles, just turn with me to Matthew 3.16. Matthew's an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. It's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we'll just look at uh, verse 16 here. It says, After being baptized... Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, how great is that? Before Jesus ever accomplishes anything, before he does miracles, before he does powerful teaching, before he goes to the cross or uh, starts the church, the greatest movement for good the world has ever seen, before Jesus ever does anything, God is pleased with him. Man, if you grew up feeling like you had to achieve to win your parents' approval, or uh, if you only felt accepted in life, if you made the team or lost the weight or got the promotion, then you know how exhausting it can be to try and achieve your way into the approval of somebody else. God looks at Jesus here and he says, you are my son and therefore I am pleased. I'm pleased with who you are. I'm pleased with our relationship. And hey, real quick, because of Jesus, that grace is available to you and to me as well. You can let go of trying to be good enough, smart enough, religious enough, successful enough, attractive enough, whatever, enough. You can let go of trying to win the approval of your parents or your spouse or even the person in the mirror. And when we say yes to following Jesus, the Bible says God looks at us as if he were looking at Jesus. God looks at us and says, hey, before you ever do anything, you are my son. You are my daughter. And I'm super proud of you. I am pleased with you. Guys, listen, when you understand who you are in Jesus,
then God can really use you to do some amazing things. In fact, I would argue that all the things Jesus did in his ministry, all that he accomplished, it flowed out of his identity, out of who he knew himself to be. That's why Satan immediately tries to tempt him to doubt who he was. Look, Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2, and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Now, that's got to be the most Captain Obvious statement in the Bible right there. 40 days, he's hungry, of course. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan goes on to tempt Jesus two more times, and each time he begins the same way. If you are the Son of God. You see, Satan knew if he could get Jesus to doubt who he was, he'd have a chance to derail all the things that Jesus was going to do. You know, as soon as I said yes to coming to Willow, people started asking me, oh man, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to turn it around? What are you going to do to rebuild the staff? What are you going to do to, to, with the regionals? What, what's the vision for what we're all going to do? And I get that. Man, I, I love goals and strategic planning and working hard. But guys, before we set out to do anything, I think we'd be wise to follow Jesus' example and focus on who God has called us to be. And hey, Maybe you're watching this and you're like, well, uh, like I'm brand new and I haven't really been a part of Willow or any church, really. That's okay, because this still applies. Every one of us is, is coming out of this quarantine COVID thing, entering into a new, fresh season of life. And we're all kind of starting over. So, so let me say it again. Before we set out to do anything, I think we'd be wise to follow Jesus' example and focus on who God is calling us to be. So look at our passage. Jesus in the desert, he's practicing an intensive form of prayer called fasting. And before he does anything in ministry, Jesus devotes himself to prayer. He fasted for 40 days. Other times in ministry, Jesus would get away and spend all night praying. He prayed before big decisions. He prayed before miracles. He prayed when he was stressed. Jesus was devoted to prayer. Uh, Think about that first church in Jerusalem. Uh, In the book of Acts, it spread like wildfire. Why? It says in Acts 2.47 that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why did that happen? The answer is back up in Acts 2.42. It said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and there it is, to prayer. They were following Jesus' example. And if we're going to see revival and renewal and a new fresh season of ministry, we need to be people that are devoted to prayer. Hey, real quick, the church I came from, 242 Community Church, is based on that passage in Acts. Uh, We were under contract to purchase our first building. And problem was we needed $60,000 in a week to close on the building. And, and Willow, it might as well have been $600 million because at that stage in our church, hey, we didn't have $60,000. So I called our staff in for a whiteboard strategy session. 
and we were going to brainstorm ideas to raise this money. And somebody said, you know, send out a letter. Or somebody else said, uh, we could do a banquet with people. Uh, somebody even said, uh, let's do a bake sale. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> that's a lot of brownies, okay? $60,000. So I went home pretty frustrated that night, and we had no good ideas. Uh, in fact, I remember on the way home, the DJ on the radio announced that the Michigan lottery had hit $242 million. And the name of our church was 242, and it was a sign from God. So I, I bought a ticket with the church credit card, and I'm just, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. <laughs> the elders just passed out, folks. I'm telling you, okay? <laughs> Listen, no, I went home frustrated. I didn't buy a ticket. I went home frustrated. And I got up the next morning and I thought, all there is to do now is pray. And I called our staff in and we set aside an hour and we got on our knees and we just poured out our hearts to God. And guys, 15 minutes after we said amen, we got a text from a family in the church. It said, we sold our business and wondered if the church had any strategic financial needs that we could meet as a family. I was like, holy spirit of God, right? What did you think I was going to say? <laughs> God showed up. God showed up. And wouldn't it be a great you know, preacher story if they ended up giving us the exact amount we needed, $60,000? That'd be such a great story. But what's an even better story is that they wrote a check for $100,000 and they helped make our first building a reality. Man, God loves to answer prayer. We need him. And we need to turn to him in prayer, not as a last resort, but as a first priority. We need to be a people devoted to prayer. And so thinking back to that Acts 2.42 verse, I asked our staff to join me in prayer at 2.42 p.m. every day. Uh, would you join us? And we're just setting an alarm on our phone or on our watch, and we're just pausing for, you know, 20, 30 seconds. And would you just pray for Willow, pray that God would move, pray that we would hear his voice for what's next? Well, back to our story. Uh, in verse 12, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, his cousin, early uh, leader of the movement, is taken into custody. This is bad news. He withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and he settled in Capernaum, uh, which is by the sea, the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Down, down in verse 16. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. Do you hear the hope in that verse? in that prophecy. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, he says repent. And if you grew up in church like I did, that is a trigger word, okay, for judgment and condemnation and shaming you for all the bad things you're doing. But that's not Jesus' intention here. That's not his heart. Uh, the Greek word here is metanoia, which means a complete change. Metanoia is a, is a turnaround. Metanoia is a total transformation. You're like, enough with the Greek already. You are metanoying me. <laughs> okay, I told Albert Tate that wasn't funny, okay? Uh, anyway, that's not the point. Here we go. The point is this. The word metanoia means transformation. 
Jesus is saying, there's good news. You can change. So the addict could look at Jesus here and say, can I really repent? Can I really have a transformation? Can I really find freedom from my addiction? The person who's struggling to keep their financial world afloat. Jesus, can I really change? Can I see something happen? You mean I don't have to to, to be in a constant state of worry? Jesus would say, yes, God is here. The kingdom is at hand. You can change. Jesus, I want to be a good dad, but my anger. Or or Jesus, I want to be a good mom, but my, my depression, it's about debilitating. Jesus would say to you, you know what? You can change because the kingdom of God is at hand. God is here. And so there can be a change, a transformation. And notice Jesus didn't say the kingdom of God is coming. It's not just a future reality. Jesus says it's here. God has shown up, folks. Even while uh, Rome still occupied Jerusalem, even while people were still sick, even while poverty was still real, and even while racism was still rampant back then and today, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom in the midst of the chaos, a present reality, even in the midst of the chaos. And there's power in that kind of relentless positivity. I'd like to invite us to be a people devoted to prayer. I'd also like to invite us to be a people that are relentlessly positive, to declare the kingdom in the midst of the chaos. Uh, It's no secret that we've been in a church in some chaos. Uh, But I want us to recognize the kingdom has existed in the midst of that chaos. Even in the midst of lawsuits and headlines and challenges, we have seen baptisms. We have seen marriages saved. We have seen kids' lives changed. We have seen neighbors in need get what they need. And yes, um, yeah, we've been a church that's hurt people. But we're imagining a church where people are healed, not hurt. We've been a church that's broken trust, but we imagine a church where we can believe in each other again. We've been a church where everybody hasn't always felt included, but we imagine a church where everybody is included, no matter their skin color, their socioeconomic level, or, or even who they voted for. I want to invite you to pray every day at 2.42 p.m., I also want to invite you every day to spot the kingdom in the midst of the chaos. When you see kingdom things happening, celebrate that win. Shine a light on it. Give somebody an girl. Send a card. Shoot a text. As a staff, we're starting every meeting by celebrating the wins because we're going to be devoted to being relentlessly positive. Will you join us? All right, let's look at verse 18. It says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you into fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus' invitation here is to come follow him. Because Jesus is like, I'm going to be out there sharing the good news with people. I'm going to be out there meeting people's needs. I'm going to be on mission out there. And he says, you join me in that, and I will make you into something new. That's how your transformation will happen. It's on mission with me. When my boys were 
uh, younger, they wanted to get better at basketball. And you know what? We didn't sit around in a circle and study the basketball rule book. We didn't watch famous players on TV. We laced up our shoes, we grabbed a ball, and we stepped out onto the court. And by getting in the game, they got stronger. They got more skilled. And their relationship with their father, by the way, grew as well. So how do we get stronger as a church? How do we heal? How do we grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father? Well, it's by being devoted to His missional purpose and joining Him in that being devoted to joining Jesus out there where he is serving people, where he's sharing the good news with people. Hey, I got a chance a couple times in the last couple of weeks since I've been here to visit the care center at the South Barrington campus. And you know, with all the challenges Willow has faced the last couple of years, I just, I knew that I'd see people who were moping around down there, all sad, jaded, discouraged and tired and that's not what I saw at all. <laughs> Shout out to the young adults that were volunteering that day. Every one of them energized and excited. Every person that drove up to drop off a box, big smile on their face. Boxes were decorated with joy because as you join Jesus on mission, it changes you from the inside out. Hey, can I encourage you all? Be devoted to prayer, 2.42 p.m. <laughs> be relentlessly positive. Celebrate wins when you see them. And, and then can we be devoted to God's missional purpose? Will you serve your neighbors in need? And will you invite your friends to church? I mean, share these services online. Let's be a people on mission. And then finally, I think we need to be devoted to God's people. Uh, what do I mean? Well, listen, if anybody didn't need a team, it was Jesus. Uh, and yet, Jesus had a small group. Jesus had a team. He chose 12 men to, to do life with and to be on mission with. And I, I just want to make this real clear. I believe every one of us, me included, ought to be in a group and on a team, in a small group and on a volunteer team. Jesus did it, and so should we. Hey, look at this. I want to show you a picture. Does anybody know what this is? That's a California redwood. That's the tallest trees in the world, some of the oldest trees in the world, some of the, the biggest, widest trees in the world. There's, there's one of these trees that, where it's cut out in the middle. You can drive a car through the trunk. It is so big. And when it comes to trees, right there, folks, that's the perfect image of a tree. This is treeness in its greatest form. The maple, the pine, they're, they're fine, but this is a tree, man. The karate kid, like the bonsai tree, I'm telling you, the bonsai trees are just jealous of these trees. And here's the interesting thing about the redwood trees. Treeologists will tell you, I, I don't know what the word is, I made that up. I, tree, I know, but just go with me, okay? Treeologists will tell you, that relative to the enormous size of these trees, the roots are too small. These experts would tell you that these trees, they're, they're too tall to be supported and that these trees really should fall over and that they would if they grew alone. But these trees under the surface are interlocking their roots with the other trees and together making those deep, connections 
Well, they can stand up when the storms of life come. They literally kind of hold each other up in the storm. And Willow, if we're going to grow into all that God wants for us, all that he wants us to be, if we're going to weather the storms of this life, if we're going to become all that we can become, Willow Creek, we can't do it alone. Let's be devoted to each other. After this service, there's going to be opportunities for you to check out how to connect in a group or how to volunteer on a team. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, listen, as we close, let me just ask you this question. It's kind of my life mission to help people take next steps with God. That's, that's what I say. And at the end of every message, I just think to myself, what is your next step with God? Um, will you pray with me at 242? Will you start spotting wins? Will you serve your neighbors? Will you share this service? Will you? I mean, maybe your next step is to check, check out a group or a team. Whatever your next step is, let's take it together as a family and believe that the best is yet to come.